Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, back with the one and only and amazing Anna Kelly. How you doing, Anna? I am amazing. Always so good to be here with you on Wednesdays. Yes, yes. I don't know if you saw it this morning, but uh, we got another number. Uh, that goes into, quote-unquote, the win column for the Fed. Specifically, I'm referring to the ADP report uh, for November job creation. From memory, it came in at 127. Expectations were for, I don't know, call it 200. Uh, Last month was like 236. So uh, again, uh, still adding jobs, right? 127,000. But definitely the trend is clear. Uh, We're heading down. And I suspect we will go negative sometime in Q1. Uh, The Fed told us pain was coming. Uh, I think this is another another sign that what the Fed is doing is working. What do you think? Yes, I do. Um, You know, clearly as jobs come down, they've said we need to create pain. We need to basically kill jobs and lower your wages. They didn't say it in that way, right? They use Fed speak, but that is one of the keys because they're trying to slow the economy down. So the fact that there's fewer jobs, you know, openings, fewer jobs available is a sign that companies are at least starting to pull back in hiring, even if they haven't started cutting wages. Yeah. So again, and if we, you know, that's another, you know, like I, I kind of envision a whiteboard, right. Or a, a chalkboard. We're, we're old enough, right. When teachers had chalkboards and I just, these little ticks, right. You know, as, as time goes by, this one goes in the fed is winning. That's on top of CPI. That's on top of PPI. We get PCE tomorrow. Uh, PCE is important. And frankly, if I had one measure to look at, it would be PCE core, not PCE headline core. Because in my opinion, that is the one number the Fed has told us, again, in Fed speak, so you have to parse it. They're going to get the Fed funds rate above PCE core. So that's the one number I'm following. Does that track? It does. And, you know, it's funny this morning as we started to see reports, I'm like, here comes the yo-yo with the stock market because they they wait with bated breath for every little thing that could see positive or negative. On the negative column, we saw the GDP actually went up higher last quarter than they thought that it would. So I think just as many people that get excited about fewer jobs are going to go, oh, no, we really aren't in a recession. We had better growth and the Fed's numbers are not working. Now, I don't think that's true because there's a lag to, you know, seeing the impact of those rate hikes into the economy. That's like six to nine months at least after every rate hike. But I expect that you're going to see some good uh, check marks in the win column and then you're going to see some things that make people go, oh, no, you know, they're not going to do it. And so I I expect this week's going to be really crazy back and forth, depending on the data that comes out. Yeah, and I think today's going to be wild. I don't know when Jerome Powell is speaking. He actually might be doing it right now. He's speaking, and I expect him to come out like James Buller did on Monday as a huge hawk. He's going to be kind of Jackson Hole Powell because he doesn't want to see the market. Right, The market's up, rates are down. That is not what he wants, right? Mortgage rates are down for the third week. I don't know if you saw that this morning for mortgage bankers. Um, I wrote it down. Where is it? 6.49. We're sub 6.5. Yes. We're almost 7.5. 
a month ago. Uh, yep. So again, rate, rates are down three weeks in a row. Uh, a lot of that is margin compression, right? We were at a three standard deviations or almost three standard deviations above the norm, the spread from the 10 year to the, the, the mortgage rate. Right. So, um, and the other thing about GDP is I, I didn't check, but I I'm pretty sure that GDP that was reported today, again, up to 2.9 from 2.6 yes. is nominal GDP. It's not real. So a lot of this, you know, Hey, we grew 2.9%. You and I both know, well, you know what? A loaf of bread costs more. So we didn't actually buy more stuff. Right. Spent more money, which made GDP go up. Is that is that what you see? That is. I didn't I did not open the full article to read, but that was my assumption as well. Um, that this is nominal, that there truly is a slowdown, right? You know, all of the major banks and hedge funds and economists are saying like we're heading toward a recession, right? So don't think that that higher number means, oh great, everything's fine. Um, especially when you adjust it by by inflation. So yeah, I, I I agree with you there. The other thing that I think is interesting, just to kind of throw out there for the morning news, um, there's going to be two other Fed governors or former Fed governors speak today when Powell does. So I'm kind of listening for all three of them. I kind of expect them to say, we might only raise rates 50 bips, but yet we're telling you that that doesn't mean we're pulling back or slowing down. We're still hawkish. We're still going to have to keep rates you know, yeah. in restrictive territory for another year or so, we're not done yet. But I think he's going to be hawkish because if they come out with a 50 BIP increase instead of 75, he doesn't want the markets to get excited and rally. Yeah, I, I do think two weeks from now, we will see 50 basis point move. The market will see that as a slowdown, a pivot, whatever you want to call it. And Powell's like, you guys are not listening. Right. We're, we're just going to go, we're, we're going to go higher, slower. So the pain will be felt longer. Yes. And I, I think ultimately some sometime, hope, you know, maybe in Q1, maybe Q2, the market finally gets it and we see an earnings recession. Uh, I do think what we're set up for uh, is more like a 1969 to 1970 recession, which if you don't know what that means, it was an 11 month recession where GDP was down 0.9%. So definitely a shallow recession as they come. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where we're headed. I think a recession is 100% going to happen. I mean, you look at an 80 basis point de delta between the two and tens, even the three, the one month and the 10 year is inverted. So, um, and again, I think we have, I think Powell, I, I think Powell is going to take us to 5%. That's where I think terminal rate ultimately will be, but he's going to tell the market six, six and a half. He wants the market to pucker up a little bit and uh, the market isn't listening. Yeah, you know, he's he's got a tightrope. He's got a fine balance, as we talk about, right? Because he wants them to pucker up a little bit, but he doesn't want a complete crash either, right, um, of the financial system. And so he's got to walk this tight balance of, okay, we understand that the higher we go, the more pain we may create in the credit markets and the inability to cover debt coverage payments for, you know, companies across the board, right, in addition to excuse me, commercial real estate investment. So he doesn't want to create a, a liquidity or credit crisis um, because of going too high and make the markets freak because of that. Yet he also doesn't want to say, we're just going to rescue you really quickly like we have in the past. They have this credibility problem that they always rescued the, you know, the bad guys or the big guys. This is the way it, you know, it's hit in the news. Um, so basically rescue Wall Street. They don't want to sound like they're going to rescue Wall Street but they can't get too hawkish, like too high of a rate, because then I think he'll create panic 
and have to come in and rescue the market. So, you know, I, I think to your point, I think he probably says something maybe higher than five just to get them hawkish, yeah. but I think it would be a mistake for him to say six unless they really plan to get there. Right. And yeah, it's funny. I disagree with that. I think he's going to say six on, he's going to Jackson hold this thing, right? He's eight minutes, all bad. We're going to six. What you guys are underpricing risk. But it Bullard said seven. Like a uh, week yeah. ago. I saw right? that. But you know, I thought he was going to be a lot more hawkish when he came out and spoke a week or two, two weeks ago. And he wasn't. And I'm like, I can't believe he's going to let the markets do this. And they did exactly that. And then the next day he had to come out and go, oh, sorry, I'm a little more hawkish than I said the yeah. day before. You, you misunderstood <laughs> me. Let me try again. So really, I, I can't figure them out, but, uh, you know, completely. But I think they have to keep talking the story that we expect inflation to take longer to come down than just a year or so. And so that's where I'll disagree with you a tiny bit, but I know we're generally on the same page on recession too, right? I'm going to go back to what I said last year and say, I think this is going to be a year of stagflation, which is really a combination of still elevated inflation at the same time that you have, you know, recessionary conditions because the Fed, in my opinion, is not going to be able to get inflation down to 2% for probably two years of keeping rates restrictive. Now, it wouldn't surprise me because of all of the things outside of their control, which we've talked about on this show as well, on the supply side, if inflation remains, you know, three, four percent for the long term, way beyond the next couple of years, and they may have to adjust and say two percent is no longer realistic, given all the other things, we may have slowing growth below inflation and inflation high, that stagflationary environment for a year or two. That's kind of what I'm expecting. Yeah, I think I think um I think that's the most likely outcome. And and one as we wrap up kind of episode one, that I see inflation having three components. There's the easy component, which you can look at as commodities and supply chain. I think that comes off by February or March in my opinion. And what is, what is that maybe, right? So we go from 9.1, which was the peak to six. Then Even there's the everything going on with China shutdowns again and COVID and with Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, I think so. I think the headline, I think the headline in stuff, because again, stuff, right? Clothes and all that makes up about 32% of in, inflation where services is 68. So I think the stuff deflation get, gets us to six. Okay. We'll call it Q, we'll, we'll call it Q1. Then we go from easy to hard and hard is six to four. And I think that takes a year. And then there's the really, really, really hard. What do you mean by hard when you say hard is six to four? So hard would be things like um, wage inflation in services, right? In the system. And it takes a while to ripple through. Right. The really, really hard. That's the structural changing of the world economy. Yes. Shoring, onshoring elsewhere. All of that stuff takes time. It's not quick and it is inflationary. I think the number of companies manufacturing in China in a decade is dramatically less than today. That is structural inflation. So I think we could be north of, you know, uh, north of, shoot, north of three. We could be at four, like, you know, three, eight, three, seven, four for, two or three years. If not longer. I agree with you completely. And we haven't talked a whole lot about that on the show, but yeah, I mean, what's happened with COVID shutdowns and the war 
with Russia and Ukraine is that many of the global partnerships for imports and exports are going to be completely realigned, especially when it comes Absolutely. to energy and, and the energy infrastructure could and take food. decades to build yeah. and food secondarily. So, yeah, both of those things is, is why I think we're really headed toward a longer period, maybe even up to a decade of inflation globally above 2%. So, you know, for those that think the Fed's going to raise rates, they're going to break the back of inflation, we're going back to just like it was within a year or two because a recession may be shallow. I think that that's too optimistic, in my opinion. I think we're here to see higher elevation for a while. What we've got to do about it is increase production to offset it. And that's a huge challenge um, that, again, could take decades to get there. Um, and, a, and an entire paradigm shift of how do we create production because more debt to get it is it hasn't worked, you know, in the past. So interesting times ahead. I'm still very optimistic that we can find opportunities and there's ways to grow. Um, but I do think that there's more challenges ahead than the news may let you think, you know, because of one little news item today. Yeah, I, uh, you know, again, macro, I'm very concerned, but micro, I'm like, we we were built for this. We've We've prepared, we've you know, our debt structure was put in place on purpose, right? We've got debt structure locked in at probably decade lows. It's fixed. Sorry. It's fixed. We told you everybody to do it. So yeah, it's, it's a yeah. lot. So Anna, where can people find you? Great. You can find me on my playlist and with you every Wednesday, you can find me on social media at Anna Kelly, REI mom and my website, reimom.com. Check it out. Thank you.